This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Welcome to Profoundly Pointless. My name is Nick Vinzant. Coming up in this episode, first we're going to Antarctica, then we're going to the movies. I think it's probably because they kind of waddle the way that we do sometimes. <laughs> and like they can like kind of what so I think sometimes maybe a little bit like subconsciously we kind of see ourselves in the in them because depending on the species in particular, they can be they can have some really strong personalities. So the things that I've seen are the ice that forms around those two islands in particular is really shrinking. And the reason that's important for emperor penguins is because the chicks need to get old enough to fledge their, their downy feathers and get their swimming feathers. Um, so if the ice melts too fast, they're likely to not be able to survive. I want to thank you so much for joining us. If you get a chance, like, download, subscribe, share, We really appreciate it. It really helps us out. So our first guest works in some of the harshest environments on Earth, and she studies some really fascinating animals, penguins, seals, mountain lions. This is Antarctic scientist Dr. Michelle LaRue. This probably isn't the question I should start with, but I found myself wondering this. Obviously, penguins can't fly, but could they ever fly? I don't think so. No, there's no there's no evidence to suggest that they were ever able to fly. Uh, evolutionarily, penguins diverged probably from some other flying birds or flying birds that could dive about 40 million years ago. Why do you think they seem to captivate us so much? I think it's probably because they kind of waddle the way that we do sometimes <laughs> and like they can like kind of what. So I think sometimes maybe a little bit like subconsciously we kind of see ourselves in the, in them because depending on the species in particular, they can be, they can have some really strong personalities too. So like, I think when we see them on TV and stuff and they interact with each other and they're a little bit cheeky from time to time um, and, you know, have really strong opinions apparently about things. I think we kind of see ourselves a little bit like weirdly. Um, So I think that's one thing. Um, I think the other thing is possibly at least where like with, with the U S frame of reference, we don't have any penguins anywhere near us, right? In, in in the wild in the United States, you have to go a really long way. So I think there's a little bit of novelty, um, again, with at least with the U.S. Uh, frame of reference. That makes sense, honestly, because as you were talking about it, like I could see myself as a penguin much more than I could see myself as like a rhino. Right. Right. Yeah. Because they walk on two, penguins walk on two feet and they kind of, you know, they have relationships. And like you said, when when you see them on, you know, frozen planet or or planet earth or whatever some of the the tv shows that you see them on they 
they they have be, they have personalities. They really do. We had an elephant researcher on one time that said rhinos are stubborn but kind of dumb. Like they're kind of a dumb animal. Are penguins are they smart compared to other animals? Are they, like what are they like? Like if, if a penguin was a person, what would a like what would they be like? Okay. That is a that's a wonderful question. Um and in my experience it completely depends on the species. So, using Adelie penguins as my first example, if an Adelie penguin were a person, they would be very opinionated and very like, what's the word? Very type A. I feel like they would be a very type A down to business. Like I need to do the thing that I need to do, get out of my way. And if you're in my way, I'm going to yell at you. Um, Unafraid of things, or at least unafraid of people in my experience. And yeah, just very, like very opinionated and like move. I I need, I have got stuff to do here. On the other hand, um, emperor penguins, which are like almost the complete opposite. They're super chill and relaxed and they kind of like walk really slowly and they don't seem to be in a hurry ever to do anything. So like they're exact opposites, which I think is really funny. Um, so those are just two, you know, kind of two examples. So I think it really depends on, you know, where they live and probably a lot like people, right? Like, you know, there are certain certain people who have different personalities and certain populations of folks may have, you know, uh, stereotypically certain trends of, of personality types and, you know, ways of going about life. And I think penguins are a lot like that, too. How do the, you know, the things that I've always watched on TV and grain of salt because you're watching it on TV, but they seem to always like and they come back to the same place every winter, every summer. Like, how do they navigate frozen ice, basically? Yeah, I think that's a really good question. Um, and I actually don't know exactly the answer. So I'm going to use the my best um, ability to think about why that could be. Because um, I think a lot of people are still trying to figure that out. Like, how, how do they, you know, navigate to some of these places? Um, so I think I, I, there, there's clearly some sort of of drive for them to be able to to be anywhere in the ocean and kind of get back to where they're going. So um, if it's navigating based on some sort of sense of smell or um, or if they're just using their sight, because if you think about it, you're a penguin, you're swimming in the ocean, you can't see that far, right? So they have to have some sort of capacity. So I don't know exactly how that works, to be honest with you. Um, but what I can say is I think they're, once they at least get up onto the ice and they've got like all this expanse of ice, um, they must use the sun or the stars or something like that to kind of narrow back to where they're supposed to be. And then when they get relatively close, I think they do use landscape features to identify where they need to be. And the reason I say that is because uh, just a couple of years ago, when I was at a place called Cape Crozier, which is in the southern part of the Ross Sea, um, and it's home to one of the largest Adelie penguin colonies in the world, um, I was there doing field work, and we were flying um, nearby the Emperor Penguin Colony, which is also at Cape Crozier. Um, and we were flying over and, and basically taking pictures of all of the Emperor Penguins. And we happened to see, just opportunistically, this little group of Adelie penguins that were hanging out on the ice. Now, they're not supposed to do that. They're supposed to go to the, the like their actual colony on land was only, I think, three kilometers away. So they got really, really close but they just like this group of maybe 500 or so kind of was just like, we'll just, we'll just hang out here. And it was really weird. And I thought that this doesn't seem, this doesn't seem normal. So I think what happened possibly in that particular case is the, so that you have the Cape and the Ross ice shelf is continually moving, right? Cause it's basically a gigantic glacier. And so I think what happened is from, 
whenever the last time those particular birds were at Cape Crozier, I think the Ross Ice Shelf moved out enough and kind of blocked where like their their site of of where the Cape should be. And so they said, okay, I think it's supposed to be around here in this particular spot, but we can't see it. And so we might as well just stay here. So I think that's potentially what happened. So that's why I say that. I think they, they have some sort of ability to get into the general vicinity and then they do use landmarks and the sun probably to figure out um, where to go. And then when they get to the particular spot, if things have changed a bunch, they kind of make it up as they go. How do you generally study them? Like what's, what's your process for studying animals in that area? There's a couple different ways. Largely, I use the the images. So that's literally just a matter of looking at the images and seeing what we can see. Um, it's very basic and, and straightforward. And of course, the the statistics and the modeling and things that come out of it afterwards um, is, is a bit more complex. Um, but the gist of it is really like being able to look at an image, which is and saying, you know, what do we see here? And what does this tell us about the landscape? And when you can do that over you know, just like I think we looked across 260,000 square kilometers. So basically the size of New Zealand's worth of ice to see where all the Weddell seals were living. Um, and that alone was like a major advancement in being able to look at all of them at the exact same time. So rather than kind of piecing things together, which was what we had to do previously, because it's really difficult to get to all of these spots at the same time. In fact, I would argue it's probably impossible to do that. Um by being able to have this remote view and count them all and look at them all, um, that you know really set forward our ability to understand what the what the system is like. So I'm trying now to kind of like put those pieces together for lots of different species. Obviously, climate change is a huge concern. What what changes have you seen just in like the last couple of years, decade, whatever frame of time you'd like to compare? Yeah. Um, most of my work has been in the Ross Sea, which is likely to be what's called like a, a refugia or a, a refuge for a lot of species because it's supposed to stay fairly cold and the ice is supposed to be fairly stable into the future. However, um, I should say, and that's with comparison to places like the Antarctic Peninsula, which is losing ice like crazy. Um, so relatively speaking, the Ross Sea should be fairly stable. But um, the things that I've seen, and again, I can't necessarily say that these changes are because of climate change, but there are certainly changes that I've noticed. Um, places like Franklin Island or Beaufort Island, both of which are home to both the Delhi penguins and emperor penguins, um, you know, the ice forms around the island in, in the wintertime, and it kind of will hang on as long as it can into the summer. And the reason that's important for emperor penguins is because the chicks need to get old enough to fledge their, their downy feathers and get their swimming feathers. Um, so if the ice melts too fast, they're likely to not be able to survive. So the things that I've seen are the ice that forms around those two islands in particular is really shrinking, like to the point where if we fly over in, say, October, where the ice should still be almost at its maximum extent, the, the fast ice extent, it's really, really close to the, the colonies now. Um, so I've seen that, I would say, uh, both in person, so like flying over myself and also on the satellite imagery. So those are just kind of two examples that I think is probably due to climate climate change, and it's a bit scary. Scary for their future or scary for our future or both? Um, I would say both. Definitely scary for their future um, because if, you know, the way these long-lived animals work is – you know, if things kind of get tough and um, 
you know, say you say you lose a, a cohort of chicks or something, the breeding population won't change a bunch, right? Because the adults can still survive and they can swim and they can kind of probably adapt. But at some point, if you continually, and this is an extreme example, I'm not saying this is happening yet, but in the extreme example, if we start losing chicks over and over and over again, the population will eventually start to decrease. Um, and there's lots of modeling studies by um, colleagues of mine that are suggesting that that's exactly what's going to happen. Um, so definitely not a good thing for them. And I think it's awful for us too, because I don't want to live in a world without penguins. They're so cool. Yeah. It wouldn't be the same. I mean, where would we have, like, what would kids movies be without penguins? Exactly. We wouldn't have any. Yeah, I know. Right? I know. It's, it would be terrible. Speaking of that kind of, are you ready for some harder slash listener submitted questions? Yes. I hope. Oh my okay. gosh. I'm so nervous. <laughs> if you were a penguin, what kind of penguin would you want to be? Um, I would definitely want to be an emperor penguin for all kinds of reasons, but largely I feel like compare like if we're completely anthropomorphizing penguins now, um, they are just very laid back and I feel like that would be a really nice way to live. <laughs> but then but but then in reality though, like once you get to be an adult emperor penguin, your survival rates are really high. So the likelihood of, you know, you continuing to live from year to year is is pretty darn good. Um they they're just really relaxed and chill um and they're also really well adapted for the place where they live so they live in the cold they're really tough um you know they have to survive and like huddle together and work together to um to survive in the middle of winter time so they're just this i think they're kind of you know to be cheesy about it they're kind of inspiring because they they really do have to you know like work together and survive and they're really tough um, and all the while, anytime you see them or, or you know, have um, an interaction with them, they're just like really relaxed about things and they walk real slowly and they don't seem to be bothered about a whole lot. So I feel like that would be a really nice way to live. What do they seem to find penguins in general? What do they seem to think of us? That also depends on the species. So using emperor penguins as an example. So the other thing, this is actually a really good uh, time to point out that um all of the animals in Antarctica are protected by all kinds of different international treaties and conservation acts and stuff. So I want to point out that all of the interactions that I talk about are absolutely within the boundaries and the limits of those acts. So for example, if I don't have a permit to touch a penguin, which I never personally have, um, you cannot touch them. You cannot bother them in any way. As a matter of fact, if I am like walking along and a penguin crosses the, you know, crosses my path in front of me and I continue walking and scare it, that's against uh, the international treaties and conservation acts and stuff. So it's really, really serious. So I say all of that having been, um, you know, and all of these interactions that I'm talking about are definitely within the boundaries of, of those things. So what we do is if you are, say, out in the middle of Erebus Bay, which is relatively close to McMurdo Station, which is the U.S. base, um, if you're out in the middle of Erebus Bay doing something else, which is definitely something that has happened to me, and you see penguins kind of off in the distance, um, you kind of just keep going about whatever it is you're doing. And then all of a sudden, one day we looked up and they were right there. And by this Conservation Act, you have to stop what you're doing and not scare them or bother them. And you have to sit still until they go away. Like you can't say hi, you can't approach them, you can't even really like we were just very, very quiet and we sat on the ice and just waited for them to walk away. Are they curious about us? Yes. Or are they just kind of like, uh, it's a new rock. This one seems to be moving. 
Okay. Yes. Back to the so, ocean. Right. Yeah. So that's right. So emperor penguins are very curious. Like the the example I just gave, we were we were doing something else entirely by um, one of the islands, and we saw them off in the distance. We're like, oh, that's pretty cool. And then yeah, maybe I don't know, half an hour later or something, they were right there. And like I said, we had to stop what we were doing and kind of wait for them to to move on, which of course was not terrible at all. We sat down and you know very very carefully got our um, camera gear out of our out of our bags and things like that, and just waited for them to go and do their thing. But they must have spent, I would say, at least a half an hour, maybe forty five minutes, just like kind of wandering around. And they never really get too close, but they're definitely very curious. And then once they kind of move away, moved away from us, they went and were inspecting our snow machines and kind of like looking around. And then they kind of just sit there for a little bit longer. And then eventually they decide to go away. So emperor penguins are very curious about people, I feel like. Um, Adelie penguins, on the other hand, um, again, in my experience, are, they just have this very like hardwired thing about them where I, it seems to me like they don't necessarily like the, like if you're walking and you're and you're doing your best not to you know bother them or anything i feel like they still get very like okay but you're taller than you should be and you're definitely not a penguin and i'm not really sure what you are so i'm gonna like yell at you so that i that's happened that's happened i've seen that happen before um and also one time i was sitting down um at the edge at the edge kind of at the at the boundary where the the birds were kind of coming in and out and i was kind of far enough away um, and I was sitting eating lunch and I turned around and all I did, I just went like this. I turned around and there was this penguin there and it was kind of like, it had no idea that I, it was, that I was a human. <laughs> like I must've been sitting there long enough and still enough that it didn't even notice that we were sitting there. So yeah, there, it definitely depends on their personality. I feel like. Okay. If you were to describe, like, imagine you're at penguin high school, who, which, which type of penguin is the jock, like the athlete? Which one is the cool kid stereotype? Who's the nerd and who's the socialite? Oh, wow. Okay. Well, emperor penguins are definitely the jocks. Like they're like the cool laid back jocks. And the reason I say that is because they can dive the deepest. They can hold their breath the longest. Like they are definitely marvels of, of evolution. They're definitely the jocks. The nerd, who would be the nerd? I could be going out on a limb here and I feel like maybe other penguin people would disagree with me, but I feel like maybe Gentoo's uh, Gentoo penguins are the nerds um, largely just because they kind of, they kind of just do their thing and they're not like, I really like Gentoo penguins. I think they're cool. Um, but I suppose they're a little bit nerdy, but I can't really say why. I don't know exactly why it is. I think that they're nerds, but I think that they probably are. Um, what were the other options? So, Ooh, the socialite that is a i feel like penguins are really i mean they are very social but i'm just trying to think of who the would be the most social of all of them um i'm okay this is also probably going out a little bit on a limb here and i'm maybe not being very creative but um the little blue penguins that i have um had experience with um, and these are in settings where they're in a, a rescue center kind of a thing. So they they were in the wild, but they got hurt. And so we're in a rescue center. And so that's my, the, my basis for my experience. Um, and they seem to be very like cute and and very like happy to talk to you. And and they have, you know, this like they they and it's I'm sure because they're in a rescue center and they deal with people all the time. They seem to be very happy to socialize and to kind of like waddle around the little rooms and stuff when they're getting their checkups and they don't seem to be, you know, afraid of people at all. 
So that's what I would say. I think the, um, yeah, the social ones are probably the little blues. And also they're the ones that I have seen in the wild a couple of times that like I saw one was, it was alive and I think it's, I think it's probably fine, but it came up on shore um, just on a beach here in New Zealand, kind of in a place where it wasn't supposed to be. And I could kind of see, and it was kind of like, looking around like, well, this is not where I'm supposed to be. Um, but it didn't flee and it like didn't run away. Um, it kind of just sat there and was like looking around and people were kind of, you know, giving it space and kind of marveling at it and it didn't really run away. So I feel like that's a, as best you can get as far as like being social for a penguin. Best waddler. I think Gentoo penguins are the best waddlers. Yeah. They have a, they have a really great, like I have a, a, several pictures of, they, so they make these little like highways in the snow. The I mean, lots of penguins do this, but like they make these little highways where they come down into the ocean. And I've got this set of pictures where I was sitting kind of at the bottom and watching these gentoos like it, marching in a line. And they just looked like little, I don't know, like a marching band kind of just like walking down. And they had this fantastic, fantastic waddle. And they were kind of all like off kilter and not really in, you know, in step with each other. But it was really cool to watch. What is your favorite penguin related movie? What penguin related movie makes you mad? Ooh. Like, oh, it's not how penguins are at all. <laughs> oh, that's a really good one. Um I have to say I haven't seen the movie in a long time, but I really did like Madagascar. Like I really really enjoyed that movie and I thought it was really funny and I also think that as I recall the movie anyway, like their personality like they I feel like they got the personalities correct, which was really fun. Um so that was good. Um, I think the one I really like Happy Feet as well, but that one also makes me mad, not for the them doing a bad job of depicting penguins, but it makes me mad because it's very true. So like the whole point of the stories that, like, you know, their food is being taken away and, you know, what's happening. Um, and it actually tells a really good message, I think. Um, and so that one is like, if people can, you know, listen and pay attention, it would be really great. But I think they also did a really good job of, um, depicting the different species in that one as well what's what's what penguin movie kind of drives you nuts though like oh that's not right um the only thing i guess that slightly bothered me about march of the penguins is they now we know so it's not their fault so like i definitely want to say like it's it's not March of the Penguins fault or anything. Um, but we now know that that particular colony may not necessarily be representative of all colonies of emperor penguins. Um, so for example, that big long March that they do, I, I don't know that every single colony does that necessarily. And there's really no way to know. So we're kind of just using that particular spot as a, um, as an insight to, you know, all of their behavior. So I think that part, like kind of just suggesting and, and again, there's nothing else you can do about it. So you kind of have to do this, but just suggesting that that one spot is the way everybody, you know, all emperor penguins behave. Largely speaking, it's probably fine, but it, that may not exactly be right. So I guess that's probably, if I were to think of something, that's probably the one that I'd be like, well, now we know more, maybe we should update the movie. I don't know. Do they generally though, like those kind of penguins, do they generally go on this big journey or is it just, Hey, this is just what that colony did and that's their thing. Well, I think it depends. So, so, um, it depends on how extensive the sea ice is. If the sea ice is not very extensive, they don't have to go very far at all. Um, and I actually think in some cases we have evidence suggesting that there's like, so they live on a, on this 
um, platform called Fast Ice. So it's ice that's fastened to the Antarctic continent. And the reason that's important is it's different than the pack ice out in the middle of the ocean. So the fast ice will form and it hangs on um, a little bit longer sometimes than the pack ice does. And it forms cracks in the ice as well. And the reason that's important is because I think sometimes like if there's a nice crack in the ice and, it, and it's open long enough, they'll just go in the crack that that's nearby rather than going, you know, really, really far out into the ocean. I don't know that that's necessarily always the case, but we do have evidence because you can see like there will be like little cracks in the ice and you'll see these little guano stains kind of along it suggesting that they were at least hanging out long enough near the crack to leave, leave their guano. What is your go-to penguin joke? Oh no, I don't have any penguin jokes. I don't have any penguin jokes. I know, I know. I don't, I don't have any penguin jokes. And I have a terrible memory too. (laughs) It's like, I am. there not be any penguin jokes? I know. I don't have any penguin jokes. I don't think. I know. And you know, what's going to happen is like, as soon as we get off the, the podcast here, I will remember a penguin joke and be like, ah, that's what I should have said. But yeah, off the top of my head, I don't have any penguin jokes. I'm so sorry. What are you guys even doing out there? I know, I know. Most impressive penguin fact. You're at a cocktail party. You got you to gotta wow this person with a penguin fact. They've got all your funding wrapped up. Oh, for no. For the next 20 years. <laughs> your entire, all of your funding, millions of dollars at stake. But they need one penguin fact. What's your go-to? Oh, that's so much pressure. Isn't that a lot? Uh, it difficult. is. That's a lot of pressure. Um, my My penguin fact that I think is so impressive is that emperor penguins can dive well below 1500 feet below the surface and hold their breath for more than 30 minutes think about that that would be like the equivalent of a fish of a fish jumping out of the water 1500 feet out of the water and holding its breath for that's not exactly right but that's for lack of a better example that's that doesn't like at first when you're like, oh, 1500 feet, then you think of it along like, wait a minute, that's more, that's almost like half a mile. <laughs> like, oh, a long that's ways. a lo- It's a long ways. Yeah. How are they, but how do they handle the water or is the water pressure not that much there? Are they just built like that? Yeah. So they, I mean, they, they have their diving physiology is totally, totally fascinating. And I'm definitely not a physiologist, so I can't speak, uh, speak, uh, as an expert on any, any of that, but yeah, like they they have the capacity because they they've evolved to do this, right? Like so, they are perfectly adapted to not only living in the cold, um, having tons and tons of feathers to you know keep themselves warm, and they huddle together. The, by the way, they're the only penguins that do that. Like so, all other penguins are territorial and they like to stay away from each other. Um, obviously, male emperor penguins need to rely on each other in the middle of winter time in order to survive. So that's a really cool thing about them too. Um, but then, yeah, they when they get hungry and when they need to go and um, do what we call chick provisioning, so go out and, and forage, they don't routinely dive to 500 meters or 1,500 feet, um, but they can. And um, there's been multiple records of them doing that. Um, and so, yeah, they, they you know get down at depth and they have all kinds of, of um, I guess, physiological adaptations that allow them to do that. So they, I don't exactly know how it works, but basically they can come all the way back up without any, you know, they don't get the bends or anything like that. They can come back up and they don't have any um, negative, um, nothing negative happens to their cells the way it would, you know, for, for like a person or something. Um, they slow their heartbeats down to, you know, just a few beats a, a minute to kind of conserve energy and to conserve the oxygen that goes out into their 
um, muscles. It's they're incredible. It's 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 absolutely amazing. I always look at a penguin, specifically like the emperor penguins. I'm like, man, they're kind of fat. Is that fat? Is that fluff? Like, why are they built like that? Or that's like, what's the purpose of them being built like a pear? Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. So they, 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 you need to be, you need to be fat in order to survive in the Antarctic winter, um, for sure. So it's, it behooves you to like build up as much mass and energy as you can before you get back to the colony, because then they end up having to, the males at least, um, will have to starve themselves for a couple of months while they're incubating the egg. So you end up looking like a pear so that you can survive on all of your, you know, resources for several months while the female is out foraging. And hopefully she comes back back alive still with some food for the chick and then the male goes out so you end up yeah looking like a pear and then furthermore like i suppose they're they're fairly streamlined they're very you know hydrodynamic um and they just it's really funny to watch them on land or i should say on uh on the sea ice and then watch them swim in the water because they are just like beautiful beautiful masters of swimming but they look so silly like comparatively speaking on the ice because they kind of just like waddle around they look really awkward except for when they're tobogganing i guess so when they toboggan that's when they go on their bellies and kind of like kick their feet up behind them um which is a more effective inefficient way of of traveling and it works really well if you're on like really nice flat sea ice but sometimes the sea ice is not flat and so then you have to like you have to climb up um and they look very awkward my point is when they're not in the water, but when they're in the water, they're just amazing. Best name, mountain lion, cougar, or puma. But they're all the same thing, right? They are the same thing. They are. They are all the same thing. Um, how did that happen? Yeah. Well, I can tell you how that happened. So um, mountain lions, so taking a complete left-hand turn away from penguins, mountain lions um, were once the most uh, wide ranging, one of the most wide ranging mammals in the world. So they were, they ranged from um, the Atlantic to Pacific oceans on both North America and South America and all the way from like British Columbia down to Southern Chile. So like they were a very wide ranging species. And so necessarily, so um, all of the different peoples who coexisted with them for however long, you know, thousands of years, probably more than that, um, had different names for them. So they have the same exact species, has multiple different names. And I think the estimate that I heard was there are up, upwards of 36 different ways of referring to puma concolor, which is mountain lion, puma, uh, catamount. That That's all the questions that I have. Is there anything else you think that we missed or like anything like that? No, those were fantastic questions. And now I'm going to have to go back and find a penguin joke because that's a fair thing that I don't, I know, I know I've got like nerdy science jokes, but I don't have a penguin joke in particular. And that is a little bit embarrassing. I want to thank Dr. LaRue so much for joining us. If you want to connect with her, we have linked to her on our social media accounts. We're profoundly pointless on Twitter and Instagram. And we have also included her information in the episode description. One other thing, There's also a link in that episode description to the Penguin Research Fund at the University of Canterbury, which Dr. LaRue runs. Now, that's 100% charitable. All of the proceeds go directly towards research. So if you really want to help out the penguins, and who doesn't want to help out the penguins, this is a great way to do it. Again, that's the Penguin Research Fund at the University of Canterbury, The link is in the episode description. Okay. Now let's go ahead and bring in John Schultz. How do you feel about, how do you feel about penguins? They're fine. I, I think they're overrated actually. 
How come? Why do you feel that way? Because I feel like every animal kingdom has like a, a oh my god, this sounds terrible. Has like a spokes animal, right? Like when you think of the African savanna, you think of a lion. When you think of yeah. uh, the the ocean, you think of sharks. When yeah. you think when you think of Antarctica or whatever, or really ice, you know, ice cold places, you think of penguins or polar bears. And I'm sorry, but penguins aren't. They're not. They're not a polar bear. You feel like that penguins are a better, like that the polar bear would be a better spokesperson for the Arctic slash Antarctic than penguins would be. Yeah, I just think you know, I I will say that the 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 videos I've seen of them migrating and the hundreds of thousands or whatever thousands of them as they move together is really badass. And the rock hopper penguin is probably my favorite with its crazy ass hairdo. But either way, I think they're still a little overrated. I can understand that, right? Like, I was going to disagree with you pretty hard, but then you went the spokesper- animal spokesperson route. And I kind of have to agree with you on that, that if I was going to pick, like, a spokesperson for either birds or for the areas that penguins live, it's not necessarily going to be penguins. Like, if I was going to pick a spokesperson for the birds, it's we're, we're in the United States, so it's pretty hard not to pick, like, the bald eagle. But I would probably go with, like, a cardinal, honestly. Or a robin. But th- that's the thing. Like, I don't even think, and I know they are, so don't. I'm not saying they're not. But, like, I don't even think of a penguin as a bird. I don't really think of a penguin as a bird either, honestly. Like, you know. I mean, I know it is a bird, but it's kind of like, it's definitely not as birdy as, like, an ostrich. <laughs> no. I mean, now that's a bird, you know? Like, penguins. Yeah. What, what? Yeah, like a... A, a penguin feels like it's whole other thing, but an ostrich just feels like a bird that can't happen. That just doesn't happen to fly. I would, I would actually say in terms of the power rankings for Antarctic animals, in terms of the spokes animal for that continent, penguins probably top five, but like number five, number four. Or no, five, I don't three. think so. That's a, that's a ridiculous statement. Let's not take this too far. Penguin may not be the spokesperson, but they're second at, at the least. Who else are you going to pick? Are you going to go polar bear? Then what? Like jumbo shrimp? I mean, a walrus is pretty badass. Uh, killer whales. But killer whales, walrus and killer whales are probably more Pacific animals than necessarily like based out of Antarctica. So, Okay, I wasn't sure if you said specific or Pacific. So I was trying to, I was a little lost trying to figure out which one exactly you said. No, I... <clears throat> There's no way a penguin, maybe, maybe. No, a walrus isn't as good of a spokesperson as a penguin is. To me, it's polar bear penguin, then probably a seal. See, the seals for me are just, they're like antelope. You know, they were put on this earth as strictly food for bigger animals. They don't even get a spot. All right, what's your uh, what's your spokesperson for reptiles? Probably the alligator, or or, or you know what, or or a snake. That, that's a that's a close one, actually. That might be a tie at the top. Do you realize what I was about to say until I realized it was not accurate as all? I was going to say an ant, and then I realized an ant is not a reptile. That's a frog to me. To me, it's a frog. Yeah, frog's not bad either. I, I still think, just in terms of like, who do you want on the emblem? You know, like on the reptile emblem as you enter the reptile kingdom. Oh, it's a frog. He's definitely a frog to me. I'd probably go like an alligator, I think. Okay, how about mammals? I mean, that's a huge category. Uh, Humans? (laughs) No, you don't want us. I I don't think we're it. I mean, mean, probably uh, 
Probably elephants, I would think. Ooh, elephants would be pretty good. I would go the lion probably over the elephant, but I, I've, there's, there's, look, there's a solid top five when you talk about mammals, right? I think you can put elephants in there, lions, gorillas, like lions. We really, the mammals really have the spokesperson game covered. Like we've got a number one, a good number one, and a bunch of solid backups. Birds really don't. Just think about it like in terms of an NBA team. You know what I mean? Like, oh, we're stacked. Yeah, the mammals. Yeah, we have the. I guess they are us. We are mammals. Uh, yeah, right. we're like we're like, you know, the the lion is Michael Jordan, and we're all his key players. Right. Yeah. What about insects? I mean, just just going off the top of my head, I'm probably gonna go mosquito because I mean they're not only annoying, they also have killed hundreds of millions of people throughout the years. The more you think about them, the more they rise up. I could have gone like with the, I mean, I think there's some solid ones there, right? If you think about insects, you're looking at potentially the mosquito, the fly, the spider, and the ant. I feel like the insects would have a different spokesperson depending on what the circumstance kind of was, right? Like if it's like, oh, we killed a bunch of people, send the mosquito out there. Like, oh, it's not good news. We got to do something happy. Send out the ladybug. You know, I think I think you need to add in the butterfly and the bee too to that list. Yeah, bee would be the all-purpose. Like nobody's going to argue with the bee. <laughs> I trust a bee more than I would trust a ladybug. If I was yeah, a spokesperson. You can't trust ladybugs. Can we? Can we give some shout-outs? Okay. All right. So uh, I, I'm sorry if I disappointed anybody this week, but uh, I did not do it in alphabetical. Uh, you know, one letter only. So. Okay. Hate on me. We'll just have to suffer through it, I guess. Haters gonna hate, as they say. Uh, So, all right. Thanks to everyone, like usual. We'll start with Cameron, uh, Vaughn, Roy Reda, Simon Hogan, Courtney Baker, Tenna, Joaquin, Miguel Lopez, Owen, and James Overs. Thank you all very much. Appreciate everyone. Okay. Okay. Think anybody calls him Miggy? <laughs> uh, maybe, but he is obviously... Well, you know what? I, I don't want to hate on anyone who listens to us. Uh, so sure, you can call yourself Miggy. If, if you do, great for you. All right. Uh, this one's pretty easy. Soft serve or frozen yogurt? Which one are you going with? Mm. But we're talking soft serve specifically out of the thing that you like pull down the lever, right? Yeah, like at McDonald's or... Yeah, soft serve. Yeah, soft yeah. serve. Soft serve. Oh, it's yeah. so good. I'd like to tell this story really quickly without any follow-up from you, if I could, that John and I used to go get frozen yogurt together. The first time we went, he didn't realize that you could restrict your portions, so got the biggest container possible, filled it all the way up to the top, and it really was like $25, <laughs> which is just unbelievable that the man didn't understand the basic concept of getting frozen yogurt, which is like, how do you not? how do you not get it? How do you not understand what to do here? I, I know you said no follow-ups, but I, all I will say is I think you might have been the first person I ever got frozen yogurt with. But you should just basically understand the concept as you walked in. When I asked you the question, you could have answered me honestly instead of being a dick about it, which I'm sure you were. Uh, next one's also pretty simple. Uh, in terms of movies, originals or remakes, which one uh, do you find yourself liking more? The only way that I'm going to like the remake better is if I don't actually know that it's a remake generally. That that's fair. I mean that's just 
Maybe something that was made a long time ago that you don't realize. And well, wait a minute though. Did the like the new did the rounds of Batman? Do those count as remakes? It's a different take on the character. I'm talking about like if they were to remake, like yeah, like the original Batman, but the entire same movie. They made the same. It has to be the same movie. Yeah, 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 from top to bottom. I no, I mean I can't really th- I cannot think of a single movie where I would say like ooh I like the remake better or had any interest to even see it in the first place cuz usually as soon as I hear it's a remake I'm kind of tuning out in the first place. Yeah, I can't name you one remake that I can think of that I've been like wow, this is way better than the original. And I don't watch a lot of movies, but I watch a decent amount. So uh so what I want to ask you is uh with everything opening back up um, in terms of uh, concerts, uh, crowd capacities, store capacities, everything else, how comfortable are you, and uh, or how 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 much of a percentage do you think you have of going to a large concert or sporting event or something where there's a mass amount of people uh, not wearing masks this summer? I'm okay with it. I'm ap- okay. I would say that I have like twenty percent apprehension, eighty percent okay. Because it's my idea that if if you believe the science, then you got to believe the science both ways. If science says, hey, we got to shut everything down, this is what we need to do, then you also have to believe the science when science says, hey, you got the vaccine, this is going to work, you're okay. So you have to kind of trust in that. But it's definitely a harder trust. It's a, it's a lot easier to put the mask on than it ever was to take it off. And I think it's been a very eye-opening experience in the sense that like, wow, we really don't trust people very much. Like I really don't trust other people at all. Well, and you know, another thing I don't think that's getting enough attention right now and maybe shouldn't be at this point was that, you know, you can believe what you want to believe, but the science says that the flu numbers this past flu season were non-existent in America because of the mask wearing. So there's that too. There's that added benefit. Would you, okay, let's say everything is completely fine. You get around to next, next, next winter. You got a little cough. Are you putting a mask on when you go to work? I I, I think I'll have a mask on regardless uh, where wherever I go, just because I'm I'm comfortable wow. with it. And, it. and it's not once again, you know, people don't like know know us, right? And I'm not bringing politics into this by any mean. I just feel comfortable with it, and it's not like it, it's not really having to do with other people. I just I I just I feel comfortable once I feel comfortable enough not to wear it. I'll I'll make that decision. It it could be a remake where the second one was better than the original. <laughs> uh, you've seen it? No, but I've okay. heard good things about it. That's way too scary of a movie for me to even think about watching. Uh, I haven't seen the the new one, but the 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 original one was fantastic. Ooh, Father of the Bride. The remake could it be better than the original? There was one in the 1950s. But these, again, are movies that, like, I didn't know that there was an original, that there was actually a movie made a long time ago. I thought that was I thought that was the first time they ever made it. It's hard to I, – I guess when I thought of that question to ask you, I was thinking more along the lines of, like, Willy Wonka and then Willy Wonka with Johnny Depp. Well, no. I mean, that's a disaster or, of a movie, right? Like, I, I'm going to go back to my original thing. If you've heard of it, if it was made before in your lifetime, the the original or the remake is probably not going to be any better. Oh, you could, but unless it was super effects driven, like King Kong. 
there you could say that like, all right, maybe Ooh. that remake is actually better. Is that the one? That's one uh, that came out like 10 years ago with Jack Black, right? Well, I think they remake King Kong every month just to make <laughs> sure. Like Completely uh, changing the subject a little bit. What did, uh, did you see the Mortal Kombat movie? No. Are you ready for your top five? Our yeah, top let's, five? let's do it, man. Okay, so our top five is top five animal-themed movies, right? <laughs> My basic criteria was there just had to be an animal. Like, an animal had to be one of the main characters. <laughs> okay. That's how I went with it. Man, I didn't realize there were so many movies that had animals in them. Yeah, I know my list is going to get butchered because I'm going to forget, forget plenty, I'm sure, but I, I did my best. All right, what's your number five? Ace Ventura. I, I mean, first of all, it's on my honorable mention, so I'm not going to wait. Which one? Ace Ventura Pet Detective or When Nature Calls? Uh, I went with just the first one with the dolphin. I mean, it's a pretty good movie. I don't know if it really fits like. Is that an animal animal movie? I mean, it's based the the premise of the the, the plot is around, you know, them getting the Miami Dolphins. I feel like there has to be an animal actor in there somewhere. Like one of the actors or characters needs to be an animal that speaks. (laughs) I mean, the dolphin talks, just talks in dolphins. Okay. My number five is the Mighty Ducks. No, it's not. I just wanted to see your face when you think about like, wait, is there a duck in the Mighty Ducks? No, because I thought about putting that on my list. I'm like, there is no animals in that movie. Kung Fu Panda. Only the original. Only ever seen the original Kung Fu Panda. But that's a pretty good animal movie. That's on my honorable mention. If Jack Black wasn't the the voice, it would have made my list probably. What do you have against Jack Black? I just, he actually, I can understand that he's a guy that like kind of has ups and downs. I just, I don't, I don't find him funny at at all. Anything about him? Stole your stick? Is that what happened? <laughs> yeah, yeah. He, stole, he well, well, he's much richer than I and can play right. The guitar Wait, this, well. this. How do big guys feel about other funny big guys? Is there big guy jealousy? Is there big funny but, guy jealousy? Like, would see, you look at another big funny guy and be like, "Oh, hey, get off my turf." But see, I don't find him funny. That's the thing. Right, but do you not find him funny because he's kind of stealing, like, the big guy funny? No. He's taking it away from you. No, there there is no, uh, what's the word? Je- there is no jealousy or anything. Yeah. There, is no, there is no big guy hate, hatred going on here. You don't usually see, but what I'm saying is, is that you're not usually going to see more than one big, big funny guy in a group. You're <laughs> never going to see two big funny guys in a group. That is kind of true, actually. Yeah, think about that. Huh, well, I... There's only one spot for each team. <laughs> only one guy can well, be like the big funny guy. Well, it's an important spot, so I'm glad that I can fill it. Yeah, you can have as many skinny guys as you want, but you only get one big funny guy in the group. <laughs> okay, what's your number four? Uh, I had to throw this on here just because it's a sentimental favorite of mine, uh, and that's mm-hmm. Free Willy. <laughs> I've never seen that movie. I have no desire to ever see that movie and generally just have that reaction whenever somebody mentions Free Willy. It, uh, you know, I was I was a young kid. Well, whatever. I was like eight, nine or ten. Uh, another young boy, you know, makes best friends with the killer whale, which I mean, what, what does every young boy and girl want? They want to be best friends with a sea animal. Right. So um, uh, that's really got nothing on air, bud. 
<laughs> I would say in those kind of terms. Good air bud, man. How many I mean, how many porn knockoffs of Free Willy do you think there are? Oh my god. A There's gotta be a lot. There has to be thousands. Thousands of them. All right, my number four is Ratatouille. Okay, I that's also out of my honorable mention. I've That's a good movie though. I've seen it once or twice, but it's just one of those movies that never stuck with me. It's a movie to me that one of those you can pick up like any time. Like if it's on, you can always be like, oh, watch Ratatouille. <laughs> uh, yeah, sure. Why not? I guess. Okay. All right. All right. What's my your number, number three. Uh, so my number three is Jumanji. I can't think. See, but here's the thing, though. Like, I can't immediately. This is the same problem that I had with Ace Ventura. Is I can't immediately picture the animal. Well, because there's a host of animals, right? There's there's not necessarily one – in that movie, there's not necessarily one star animal. It's the animals are the star of the movies. Uh, Robin Williams is the star of that movie. Yes, yeah, yes. But in terms of the animals, it's a host of animals that are the stars, just not one. Uh, my number three is Finding Nemo. Okay, that's also on my honorable mention. Wow. So you just put all the good movies in your honorable mention and said, screw it when it came to everything. <laughs> Pretty much. Else. I just I went with sentimental favorites instead of uh, actually good movies. Okay. What's your number two? Uh, Planet of the Apes. That might be a one where the remake is actually better than the original movies. Not in terms of like the iconicness of that, like you damn dirty apes. That, <laughs> But in terms of like the movie quality, the remakes are probably better movies than the originals yeah I, I would i would agree with that there's just there's so many of them there's like five or four or five new ones i think there was the first ones that had like charlton heston those are those count all of the mark Wahlberg stuff people would like to forget about as quickly as possible <laughs> and then the new stuff where they had that guy that was Gollum. those are all pretty good like those are all pretty legit movies my number two I'm having a hard time with because I'm looking at my list and I could honestly swap out my number two and number one really easily. So I'm just going to give them both to you because I really think that it should be like one, a tie for number one, but it's Jaws and Jurassic Park. Okay. Uh, I didn't include, I, I would have Jurassic Park on my honorable mention, but neither of those are my number one. You're not going to put Jaws or Jurassic Park in there. I am not. No, I know what your number one is going to be. Then is it does it is it start with T and then have a L and a G or a K? Yes. <sighs> All right, let's hear it. My number one is The Lion King. Okay, why? Uh, I mean, I can't really argue against the two that you just said. Jaws is iconic. Jurassic Park is iconic. Uh, I wasn't really thinking of Jaws. That might have made the list, but probably not. But Lion King, for me, that has everything. It just has everything. It's a good movie, good plot, good music. It's a Disney movie. It, uh, you know, it's it's kid friendly. It's has everything that a good movie should have. It's a pretty solid movie. The problem is, is that I've rewatched it and been like, hmm. <laughs> Wasn't really super into it. What's your favorite song up from there, right? Are you going with the Just Can't Wait to Be King? Um, no, what, what's the uh, the Elton John song? Can You Feel the Love Tonight? 
Oh, that's when you're going to go with. You're that, you're that sentimental, huh? <laughs> I mean, listen, he is he's had some great songs and that's that's one of them in my opinion. Okay. Instead of doing honorable mention, I'm just going to list off a bunch of animal movies. You give me a yes or a no. Okay. Bambi. No. Dumbo. No. Beauty and the Beast. No. Happy Feet. No. Lady and the Tramp. No. Smurfs? Smurf an animal movie? <laughs> no. Sharknado. <laughs> uh, 100% no. Anaconda. I want to say yes, but I'll also say no. The Jungle Book. Yes. Apparently Up is considered to be an animal movie. I don't understand why. Ooh, All Dogs Go to Heaven. Uh, no. Wow. Now, Homeward Bound, yes. That was going to be my next one is Homeward Bound. Uh, Hachi, that famous movie about the famous dog. Uh, no. Airbud. Yes. Beethoven, yes. Ooh, Beethoven, that's a hard no for me. Ants, A Bug's Life, both yeses. Interesting. Uh, yeah. Let me see if there's any other more interesting one. What do you have in your honorable mention now? Uh, I think I just might have named most of them. Uh, oh, I didn't. Uh, 101 Dalmatians. No. Uh, Charlotte's Web. No. Uh, a Alfred Hitchcock movie called The Birds. Don't introduce it like people haven't heard of that movie. That's probably one of the most famous movies of all time. Have you heard oh. of this movie about I mean, an older Italian man known as The Godfather? I mean, well, listen, if, if they haven't, then they just have. They made Airbud, Airbud Golden Receiver, Airbud Seventh Inning <laughs> Fetch, Airbud Spikes Back, Airbub World Pup, and Air Buddies. Which one of these names do you find to be the most catchy, though? Airbud Golden Receiver, basketball, Airbud Seventh Inning Fetch, baseball, Airbud. Airbud spikes back volleyball most likely. Which one of those do you like the most? Oh, definitely a receiver. A hundred percent. Yeah, especially since he is a golden retriever, yeah. too. That was the best name that they have. Instead of golden retriever, he's a golden don't you get it? I do. Receiver. They made a Bambi two. Yeah, the mom comes back, don't you know? <laughs> Pet Cemetery. How do you feel about Pet Cemetery? Ooh. That's a good one. I don't know if I put it on the list, though, of uh, top five, but it's that's also a good movie. Okay, if you had to guess, do you think that there are more Air Bud movies or more Beethoven movies? Air Bud, for sure. No. Beethoven, Beethoven, Beethoven goes Beethoven 1 all the way through Beethoven 5. There's five <laughs> Beethoven movies. Do they uh, all star the same dog, I wonder? I don't think so. They spanned a lot of time. That dog probably, from 1992 to 2003, it is possible, but probably not likely, that that's all the same dog, right? Because that dog would have to live to be 11. I don't think a big dog like that. Man, they made a movie called Black Beauty. They made Black Beauty, the same movie, in 1921, 1946, 1971, 1978, 1987, 1994, and in 2020. They just keep making that movie. I have nothing to add to that. Okay, that's going to go ahead and do it for this episode of Profoundly Pointless. I want to thank you so much for joining us. If you get a chance, like, 
download, subscribe, share. We really appreciate it. We'd love to know, man, there's just so many good movies that have animals in them. It's There's really a lot. I'm just not that big of a fan of The Lion King, honestly. I think it's overrated, but it's it's... I think I also think I'm probably going to get outvoted here, but let us know what you think are some of the best animal movies. Caddyshack also could have been on there because of the gopher. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.